For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound is the Unfiltered Band. It means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. This officially goes down as episode number 113. It's in October, Unfiltered, on a Friday, and it is Game 1 of the World Series, finally, tonight. The Phillies, Minimade to face the Astros. We'll break it down. We'll preview predictions, guests galore right here on this show. Good to have you on board. And thanks, as always, to the Unfiltered uh, Band. You could jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern on Twitter. If you're watching there live as we go 12 Eastern time throughout the course of the postseason to the conclusion of the World Series, you also could be watching us on YouTube at my channel, which you could find in the bio. If you hop over at Casey Stern and Twitter, go subscribe, like the videos, watch all the interviews and conversations now through 112 plus episodes. And of course, on Believe's channel on YouTube as well, that's B-L-E-A-V. You gotta believe, B-L-E-A-V, that finally all of us are sitting there excited to have some gameplay to discuss. We've been waiting for this thing seemingly forever, albeit it's been five days. Both series went short last round, won four games, the other five, pretty equal layoffs. And now these two teams get set with each having crazy momentum, though stalled by this little break here during the course of the postseason. The Phillies have been riding an incredible wave Getting into the postseason, last team to do so officially, nobody picking them to do anything, most picking them not even to beat the Cardinals two out of three to move on, let alone to then knock off the Braves who have beaten them down all year and the San Diego Padres. I mean, it's amazing what they've been able to do to get to this point. The Astros on the other side, no surprise, World Series last year, six consecutive LCS appearances, a team that was the best clearly in the American League this year and has not lost a game just yet. You are never losing when you jump on with our good friends at Bet Online who help put this show together every day. And I let you know that basketball is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always get the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at Bet Online. Your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Bet Online's got live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL. NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. All you have to do is simply head over to betonline.ag to join. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure, though, to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline where the game starts as we get started here. We'll take you about an hour or so here live. If you're jumping in, you can join the chat three ways. If you're watching on Twitter, pop open the box. You can write to me. I literally chat with folks here live, and we'll get your answers and responses right here on the air. You could do so on YouTube as well. And if you want to reply or at me with comments, questions, predictions, at Casey Stern, I'll sneak a few of those in here during the show as well. We've got two big guests coming up. 
Happy to have Rec, member of the Believe crew here at Believe Network and host of Believe in Queens, longtime former backstop in the big leagues. Talk to me about one of the most important parts of this game and of any series like this, any World Series, and that is matchups and pitch sequencing. And we'll discuss all of those sorts of things and get into the nitty gritty with that later in this show. And my buddy, longtime friend and manager of the Boston Red Sox World Series Championship Manager in 2018, Alex Cora will join me here in just about 10 minutes. And speaking of which, if you're wondering what it takes to manage in a World Series, we got you covered here at Believe because tomorrow my guy Ned Yost will be here. Without Madison Bumgarner, would have had not one, but two World Series championships. Also, Steve Phillips going to join us tomorrow. Billy King here to come on the next few days. Mike Stanton, Jim Duquette, among many others. So stick with us here, of course, at Believe and jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution. Let me start here with this. You've got a matchup in game one between two teams that were separated by 19 games in terms of the win column in the regular season. But none of that matters. Last year, a lot of people had the Astros picking to beat the Braves, a team down here in Atlanta where I live, that no Braves fan thought certainly in the middle of the year, even late in the season, really had a chance to run the table in the gauntlet of the postseason in Major League Baseball and win a World Series, yet they did. It's about getting hot at the right time. The Phillies have done that. They've shown the bullpen to come together. Seen it with Sir Anthony Dominguez. We've seen it with, you know, obviously what you've gotten out of uh, Alvarado, a guy who was in AAA earlier this year, Zach Eflin, Robertson, all the names they've put together. But their depth of pitching and the depth of pitching of the Houston Astros is absolutely on paper, which is what it is, paper. But it's the biggest discrepancy in this series. Said this a couple of days ago, if you're just joining us for the first time, covering you know World Series, you know, 20 years, 16 of them doing pre and post, either radio or television or both. And, you know, I, I don't know that I've seen a deeper staff than the one the Astros have. We've seen better and maybe, you know, more high caliber starters in a game three or a game four, perhaps, than what you're going to get out of Javier and McCullers in whatever order that Dusty deploys them in this series. We've seen bigger name closers maybe than Orion Presley, although Presley's been brilliant, spinning the ball beautifully here over the last few weeks. But when you look at the depth in the middle, you usually find some Swiss cheese. You find some place to go. You find a safety in the defense to attack. You find the linebacker against the running back he can't cover. You find somewhere where you can get an edge. And the Astros don't give you anywhere where you believe you have that. They don't have to match up righty and lefty as much as the Phillies are going to try and do, as much as teams try and do all across the board now. Because righties, lefties, and venditties, as I like to say, you could do both. The Astros got answers to everything. They got answers to questions you don't even know you have. It's why they went 18 innings without allowing a run. Couldn't Garcia throw six frames in the pen. And when you can do that, and you've got those guys in the Urquides and so many others who have made postseason sparts, come out of the pen in a postseason, pitch in a World Series, that experience level and that depth in that pitching staff is going to be the reason why most people, including me, are going to sit here and tell you the Astros are going to find a way to win this World Series. Now, I said this a couple of days ago when we first got going, I think on Monday, and we knew what we were set here. My gut, which I try with the dad bod to stay away from, is telling me that the Phillies somehow are going to pull this off. But... Most times in my life, when I've gone with the gut instead of the head, it has not worked out very well. So I'm not doing that here. I'm going with the head, and I'm telling you, Astros and six. Because depth is just going to play. Now, how the teams are managed is something we'll discuss a lot today, especially when AC Alex Cora gets here in a few minutes. Because one thing that I said yesterday I want to go back to to start the show. One of the decisions that was made already in this series before we start, 
as now the full postseason World Series rosters are coming out, and you can see those on social media here recently over the last few minutes. Aaron Nola is going to get the start in game one and not Zach Wheeler. Wheeler's been brilliant. A lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, why would you do that? A lot of people are going to look at Wheeler and say, okay, well, an extra day for Wheeler, but he really has been dominant. Through 86 pitches and could have easily gone further in the last time he pitched last week when they knocked the Padres off to get to a World Series. This is more to me about Aaron Nola. This is about a number of things. Number one, Aaron Nola kind of wash it away, that start where you got your brother on the other side. And if you missed it earlier this week, you can go back Spotify and Apple and everywhere you're listening if you're on the podcast side of it. And if not, go do that. To where Mike Stanton was talking to me about just facing his younger brother, not even close to a big league level and what that's like. I can't imagine, nor could you, and I got an older brother, what it must be like to be in that situation. Everything about that start to me off the board. You know, two of the five hardest pitches he threw all season were in that at bat. The first time he faced his brother, you got all sorts of things at play. I'm, I'm tossing that off the board. But to get him back out there, not have too much rest, to put him in a situation where he faces a team that he really, I mean, look, he twirled the gem, went six plus, nearly perfection the last time that he faced this team down the stretch of the season against the Astros and performed well against them. There are a number of different reasons that for Nola, I think this is about him getting this start, not about backing Wheeler into game two. You know, the whole Wheeler is going to start one, four, seven, or any starter going to do that. I mentioned Mad Bum. Still the craziest thing I've ever seen in person, watching him go out of the bullpen. I remember talking to Bruce Bochy in the field that day, going back to 2014. And I asked him, how long do you think he can go? And he said, probably can give me two innings. Maybe I can get a little more. And he went almost four or five innings. I mean, you're not doing that. That's after pitching twice in the series as a starter. You're not doing that. That's not the way it's handled even now only, what, eight years later. But what I do think you need to watch, and we'll talk about this with Alex when he joins me, is the way Rob Thompson's going to manage this team tonight. If you go back to game three in the last series, Rob Thompson was getting crushed, and he would have gotten you know killed if he would have lost that game. I mean, you know, obviously, figuratively. But... Here he is, you know, throwing Dominguez and all his horses in the sixth inning, not even knowing he went to Eflin, I think, in that game to close it out, right? Not even know where he'd go because he had to have that game. That's the urgency to me. I always say this and I've said this for many, many years. You want to have urgency if you're managing in a postseason or in a World Series where you're too urgent instead of too slow. You can't be in that spot. You wait too long, you're gone. Yeah, one of my favorite people in the game, Dave Roberts, Doc, go back to his first World Series, and he adjusted after that, left Darvish in too long in Game 7 against these Astros. You're down 5 nothing. Kershaw went 4 and a third. I think he allowed one hit, no runs. It was brilliant. You had him in the back pocket, but you waited too long. Do they win that game if it's only 2 3 nothing? Maybe not, but it changes everything along the way. you got to have that urgency. You can't wait. Well, Rob Thompson said crazy urgency. He'd been all over it. He's not afraid. He's not thinking about what tomorrow is, but you got a long series and an Astro team that's way deeper than you and an Astro team that hasn't lost yet here in the postseason that you now have to find a way to beat four times in seven games. With having Zach Wheeler in game two, it allows you, and you're going to watch this play out tonight, watch it. Remember I said this, and I said it yesterday. I'm saying it again purposely. may even do so again before we get done. So you watch that this could play out tonight. Yeah, outside of Nola, either brilliant and they get five on Verlander, he's up five nothing, then that's off the board. Or if you get in a situation where you you know he gets crushed and all of a sudden you go to the bullpen anyway too early, like you had with Falter, who's not on the roster for the World Series, that was announced within the last hour as we sit here live. And again, welcome to the Apple Spotify folks too.
But watch the way he manages, because when you know that you've got Zach Wheeler in game two, I said this, and this is the comp for me. Look, Andy Pettit, Wheeler is the ace of this team. Andy Pettit never seemed to be the ace of the Yankees. But look at how many times Joe Torre would have him in game two, and they'd lose a game one, or they'd manage differently in a game one, because Andy Pettit going to go seven. Andy Pettit going to keep you in. Andy Pettit going to do what he's got to do. He down three nothing. You're up four three in the seventh. That's the way the guy pitched in the postseason. He was terrific for years. Always was that game two guy. Well, Zach Wheeler being in a game two spot allows you to now be in a position where if Nola is in a 2-2 game or up to one and you got a chance to kind of, because you got to get one in the first two, trying to win four out of seven, right? Do the math. You don't need a TI-82 calculator for this, people. Trying to get one the first two, steal a game, quote unquote. Well, you get a chance with Nola and they get to Verlander early, blooping a blast. And let's say he's got a 2 nothing lead in the fifth inning. And you see that, you know, maybe you get a little tired. Maybe he doesn't want him to go through that order the third time. You're going to see Alvarado. You're going to see Dominguez. You're going to see Eflin. You're going to see those guys deployed, I think, earlier than you normally would. And earlier than you would if Wheeler was in game one and it was reversed and Nola's in game two. Because, look, I, I love Aaron Nola. He's got tremendous stuff. But Aaron Nola been much more of a, you know, which my guy am I going to get? I got Philly fans and people I know who cover the game there been telling me, you know, you know, based by the month, you can kind of tell what kind of pitcher you're going to get. I don't know if it's that simple, but you don't know whether or not Nola is going to be brilliant and deal or he's going to have issues. But if Aaron Nola gives him a chance to win in the middle innings, watch the way Rob Thompson manages. I think having Zach Wheeler and then an off day on those back-to-back days coming up here Saturday, then Sunday. I think it's going to enable him to be way, way more aggressive. And it's going to put him in a spot where I think you're going to see him really go for it because, geez, if I could steal the win and get it here, I got to take a chance. I got to get one. Even if Wheeler gets me through seven, gives up four runs, I don't win a game. I then got a day off. And I didn't plan on jumping up 2-0 to go back to Philly as much as I'll take it. But if I got a chance to win... I'm going to take that chance. Urgency and managing in a World Series, certainly one of the many things that I'm looking forward to discussing with one of my favorite people in the game. Alex Cora, who's kind enough to join us here on October Unfiltered. AC, appreciate you, buddy. How are you? Man, long time no see, bro. What's going on, my friend? I I, I was... First of all, I'm excited. You're not wearing any Canes gear, are you? So, I, you know, because I we were messing around. This okay, all right. Just uh, We're going okay. with the Celtics hat. Okay. All right. You got the you got the season. By the way, my Knicks are actually playing well. So at least there's there's that. It's only four games into the season. This is how we have to enjoy those things, Alex. Um, first of all, always good to talk to you. You you know you're one of my favorite people and one of the smartest people in this sport. And I want to talk to you a lot about, you know, kind of getting in the head of a manager in a World Series. And the first thing, which is just kind of a fun question, it's sitting here, we're live 12 15 Eastern time a few hours before game one, what do you remember about this time in 2018 before game one of that series and what you were doing, feeling, take me into your mindset a few hours before you finally get started. I was just from, uh, from, from breakfast, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, just try to clean as clean as possible, as normal as possible. Uh, we had a bunch of people at the house, like a youth baseball tournament. You know, my sisters, my brother, my mom, my aunt at the house. So try to disconnect, you know, uh, not overthinking it and jump in the shower, get dressed and go to Fenway. 
You know, one of the things that, and, you know, you can speak this way better than me, but I've seen with successful managers like yourself, and I mean this, is, and you saw this as a player, with managers that succeeded and those that didn't, is the players will kind of replicate what they see from you. If you treat it like, hey, we know it's a big game, but let's get excited. Let's not treat it like we have to do anything different. They'll act that way. But how hard is that? In your first World Series, you're a Rob Thompson in this situation, for example, because Dusty's been there before. How difficult is it mentally to keep trying to remind yourself, I got to treat this like any other day somehow? Um, I mean, it's hard to do it because of everything that comes with it. Uh, the network yesterday, and they had the, the, the media day. I forgot about all that stuff. I think which is probably what made it easier to do what with the things we did in, in, in the regular season and in the previous series, it, it so, you know, like we didn't hit batting practice outside and the World Series, you have to hit outside because of MLB TV production, all, all the taping they can get, all the quotes they want they can get. So. At the end, they have the cool videos, right? But with us, it rained uh, for media day, uh, the the banquet or whatever they have at night. You know, the, the night we didn't attend. Uh, game one, it rained, so, so we didn't hit outside. So weather helped us to, to stay locked in, in a sense. But, hey, this rains, we don't hit when we played 18 innings we don't hit the next day and that's what we did in LA as normal as possible regardless of what you know I'm sorry to say with MLB uh, I know there were a lot of people that got upset at us because we didn't hit on the field but our job was to win 11 games in October and um, I know 108 but if we don't finish the job you know how it works in that city, you know, you're the Golden State Warriors, favorite. then, right? Uh, you mentioned oh, hoops, right. AC. You're the Golden State Warriors with that magical season. They blow a three-one lead. Nobody cares that they won seventy-plus games anymore. I mean, right? We, you got to go win it. We, yeah, we play in the in a in a city in an area that it was right. Like they they lost that game, right? The the Patriots against the the, the Jays. It really doesn't matter. Sixteen and zero. Who cares? You know. So uh, that's the way it works. That's what the coaching staff, the medical staff, and everybody around us, they did an amazing job. Well, I appreciate the 18 and one reference as a Giants fan and remind people that Eli Manning you know, beat Brady twice. Who Tom's <laughs> in the news for something else, but we'll stay out of that uh, today. Um, you know, I, I want to, <laughs> which is another thing. I, I mean, it's amazing how like that's like a, that big a deal. I mean, we need Judge Judy to talk about it instead of football with, with divorces <laughs> and whatnot. Um, I, I to the players, what's the message day of? Is it just backpats and kind of treated as normal? Is there anything specific that you said to, to players, especially the younger guys, right, AC? Because you had guys who had been there before and some veterans, but you had a lot of younger players too, especially on that team who, I mean, they're just in the big leagues for a few months, let alone in a World Series. Any kind of message specifically days leading up or day of game one of a World Series? Uh, our big message. The last game of the regular season, um, we were, I don't want to, I know it sounds bad, but as a rehearsal and, 
and we did, uh, we actually did everything possible to to have everybody close to 100% in October to go for a lot a lot more wins you know everybody was talking about 116 but 16 doesn't matter it's 11 in October so um, the last day we had a big meeting uh, Dave was part part of it and obviously with his experience is is business is it's not you know a family trip is not uh, another uh, regular season trip you know what we're gonna do in October is better of the families we have to take care of all the traveling all the tickets requests as soon as possible we we kind of like we were playing the Yankees we didn't play well for a few days people around and and I think the last message of that day this is a rehearsal let's go out there and then do what we do I think we scored seven in the first day. Like, you know what? This group, they get it. Um, you know, they they were so disappointed against the Indians. Uh, they were very disappointed at what happened in 17 against the Astros. It was unfinished business. I was just glad that they gave me a chance to be there. And uh, there was, I think the, the big meeting was actually after game three. And it was more about praising, just let everybody know that what we did that night although the result is possible to to go up three nothing and we're gonna win this thing and uh the last message what really got the guys going i say tomorrow show and go okay so let's go and hit outside we play 18 innings so we we didn't do much about like we got to do it for this guy or that guy uh, you know it was business as usual but um, guys, saw locked in. We we played the Yankees, we played the Astros, and for whatever people want to say about you know legacy or or dynasty, to beat those three teams in October that was fun to watch, and it's one of the best teams that the last ten years. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Longer than that, and a gauntlet that you ran, and you mentioned Dave Dombrowski. And we're chatting with Alex Cora joining me here on October Unfiltered. I, you know, let me ask you about, about him because, you know, these things don't happen by accident where a guy is in Miami and in Boston and now in Philly, and these places are, are winning other than having great hair, which all of us can see. And you talk to him and you could tell what an intelligent human being he is. What is it, AC, about Dave Dombrowski that just seems to bring winning everywhere he goes? He's very generous. Genuine, very transparent, and he communicates. Since day one, when um, you know we met in New York, in, it was a day off of the ALCS. There's there's a presence about him. I, I forgot what age he is. You know, sixty something, seventy, whatever it is. He, he he's very sharp. Uh, one of the things that I really like. And and some of the things that I learned from him, he's always taking notes, you know. You know and, and and whenever he talks, to pull up an index card, index card, and he has his five points or six or seven, and he'll go, Alex, let's talk about this guy. What we got? And we talk about Mookie Betts, and and then he'll talk about, okay, let's talk about the the plane, what what we need, you know, for the players. So he's always 
you know, on point for what we, he wants to come. He's always presence. Uh, he loves winning. He hates losing. Uh, he loves, loves his uh, teammates, and uh, he takes, takes care of us. And, and uh, even up to team touch, we talk about the Phillies like if we were talking about the Red Sox. Uh, sometimes he gives me too much information. Sometimes he's aware of it. He's like, oh, I can't. But uh, I love the guy not only because uh, he, he's a great person, but he gave me a chance to become a big league manager. And when the things got bad, in, in two, when uh, you know everything that we did in 17 came out to public and I paid the price for 17, he was there for me me the whole time you know he paid attention to me he was always at my family and everything else and that's something I, I i love about him and i yeah i, I want to say this and, and and you know i mean obviously and we know each other been friends a long time i i would i i one of my favorite quotes and i'm a huge quote guy ever oprah winfrey she has a quote that says, anybody can ride in the limo. It's about who rides with you when in the bus when the limo breaks down. And that is, that is right? I mean, that is, that's life, and we've both dealt with it in different – I mean, that is exactly what it's all about. Alex Cora joining me here in October on Filtered. You know, one of the things that I love about Dave, and I know it, it's not just about who the GM is, but because he's got such great feel, I use the word, right, in the game, he allows managers to then manage that way. And I go back to, I mean, you know, so many things happen every World Series, but one thing that stands out, and there were a number of spots where you used feel in, you know, terms of, you know, is having Stephen Pierce, oh, he's only supposed to hit lefties, and he's against a righty. I remember Devers specifically. Well, you, what do you mean, lefty on lefty? You can't, you can't do that, right? You're not supposed to do those sorts of things, and you changed it up because of what you saw in front of you. I'm watching Rob Thompson manage that way. I mentioned game three last week earlier in the show. People are like, what the hell is the Dominguez sitting there in the sixth inning? I mean, he's going for it. How important is feel with all the information that you have in these moments, Alex? And how difficult is that as a manager? How much are you leaning on your bench coach and your staff because of how fast all of this takes place? No, it's, uh, it's very important. You know, obviously... The managers that weren't after the game, uh, I can tell you the story. You know, when, when I left uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, and that was kind of like information. I forgot about the field there. You know, for us, uh, we should be okay. But I forgot, you know, that Eduardo, he got two outs, if I'm not mistaken, that he hasn't started a game in a month and a half. And, you know, that in the sixth inning, in that, game it wasn't the Eduardo Rodriguez that we had a month a month that was something that uh I can't regret right I can't take back but when that ball went oh god what I'm gonna tell the media <laughs> you know I'm gonna crush but the like, department is huge you know like, like people call it analytic 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 department and, and uh they they provide everything whatever you want they They'll give and uh, and other stuff that, that you don't ask for, but it's there for you. You study all that stuff, coaches. You talk to the medical staff, and you know you go from there. Uh, um, I hate to say that, you know, I, I hate when people talk about scripts, right? Of course, yeah, they they see the game before uh, before it ha happens, and they go with it. 
stuff like that at, at certain times. And, uh, you know, I think that's the beauty of management. Uh, yeah, you know, you got you to gotta be very disciplined in certain things. But, but when you get to 11 wins in October, then seven, and then four, you know, hey, man, book and throw it out and then believe in what you believe and uh, go for it. Hey, the medical staff, they don't care. The players, they don't care. The only thing is in, in, in the World Series and they'll do anything, you know, to win it. You know, we had day four of the uh, game five, sorry, no, four, right? Uh, of the, and then he started game five, you know, and he didn't care. He knows that he's been off his whole career to win a World Series ring and I'm not going to get in between that. You're not pitching? Shoot, he probably kills me right there. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's passion and that's what, what players do. And I, I do believe does they're going to do that, you know. Uh, they're baseball lifers. They've been there, done that. And uh, after that, you can rest. You can take care of them in spring training. You can take care of them early in the season. Uh, all that matters is those four wins right now. Let me let me take you inside, uh, you know, matchups and, and things that, that I look for in this series and kind of where you're at with this. Because in today's day and age, it's always been, Alex, even when pitchers used to go a long time. If you say, like, what's the biggest decision a manager has to make during postseason games? And you tell me you disagree. I would say when to take the starting pitcher out. I mean, it always seems to be that way. And it's become different because now there's that whole, well, you can't go three times through an order and all of those sorts of things. The way Bryce Harper is hitting now, when you got a guy like that, are you looking at it as a manager and saying, hey, look, when a guy's that hot, specifically even individually, I might not want him to see anyone three times in a game. Do you look at it that way? How do you handle something like that when you look at Bryce on the heater, as they say, going into this series? Well, the way probably they're thinking and you know, there I go, you know, I hate managing other teams, you know. My, no, of my course, of course. Uh, it's very hard this year, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, you don't just start probably three times, but Nick Castellanos, you know, he will face a starter three times. So there's ways to avoid hot, uh, in certain situations, and you, you gotta, you know, you, you you're gonna try to get. Nick as possible. That's the goal. Obviously, Nick had a good um, the Cardinals, right? Mm -hmm. He did a good job against them. Uh, he's been very aggressive. You know, he's always been aggressive. Yeah, too aggressive but sometimes. Yes. This is this is different staff. One probably works uh, for his advantage. They they attack. They attack. So see how it goes. But I saw that they added. Uh, Will Smith now to the equation. It's probably for that pocket, you know, uh, Kyle. Um, Kyle. Well, no, no, actually, they got, got two righties after Kyle and then Bryce. So, and uh, we'll you got to figure that's for Bryce. Yeah, I mean, you got to figure. But to your point, yeah, you're walking I mean, him if you can. They if got the can. lefty just to get the lefty, right? And that's right. And, uh, they, they trust the righties. And throughout the season, I don't think Dusty 
is going to change too much, you know, and, and uh, obviously there's going to go out that you want Smith to face Harper and see what, what happens, you know. That's, he did that in 17 with Liriano. Uh, he, we didn't use him early on. We added him, and I think he got Bellinger out in a big moment at one point, and that was – I think he got two outs in the world. I think Smith is that guy for Dusty this year. Alex, uh, two more for you. One, you know, anytime you, there's a reason why over the last 10 years, and they had it in the, the broadcast, I think Mike Trout's the only guy with a better batting average across the board than Altuve, right? Because he's just so consistent. There's this whole, I, I always say for years, the back of the baseball card. He's one of those guys you could say that. And that's what, if I'm a Philly fan, scares me. Because when he has that kind of week, momentum sometimes slows hitters down. But how much do you think maybe that was good for him just take a kind of few-day breather, reset, World Series stats kind of restart. A guy you know well in Altuve, how much do you think he's a dangerous factor offensively for Houston in this series? Uh, at one point, he's going to hit. Last game against New York, that was a good sign. You know, the infield hit. He loved those, you know. He's like, say, I needed that one. I needed that one. And then he hit a double down the line to right field. That was good. One thing I noticed with him, he's swinging – he he always swings, but a lot. He's chasing a lot, a lot of pitches, a lot of pitches, and uh, it seems like he's in. Uh, he goes from being very patient to be very aggressive. I think teams have noticed that treated O two. We paid the price last year, man. For everything, everybody talked against Chris in Game Five. You know the two biggest swings of the actually right card. Carlos against Robles, it's a home run, but Altuve, he got two home runs, one by Tanner, one by uh, Whitlock, and he tied the game right there. We made the mistake that we were supposed to go in, in, and we threw a strike, and he's hunting strikes, so you got to treat him all two, and I think the teams have noticed that and have pitched him from the count. Uh, he needs to take his walk like he does in the regular season. And when it happens, right, he can run around, steal bases, score from first, and then the at-bat is going to be able to put his A swing in good pitches. But right now, that's why he's going on. I think that's the five. Uh, but at the same time, it's Aaron Nola, it's Wheeler, it's Suarez. good at this point. And uh, game planning is at his best, so he needs to make a job taking his watch then actually swinging the bat. Alvarez is a guy who, because he's left-handed, people will say, oh, well, okay, look, who's the lefty to face him? And then they look at the splits and how comfortable he is. And look, Robbie Ray won a Cy Young for a reason. I don't care if he's coming out of the bullpen in a spot he's not used to or not. You face that guy who hasn't even been in the game. He just comes in. Your, I mean, that, that at-bat alone, I know you know this, but for anybody listening or watching, I mean, that is just freakish what he did in that spot. So how do you handle it if you're Rob Thompson in this position? I know Alvarado, the way he's pitched, is going to be a guy who's going to see him some. Are you thinking David Robertson with the reverse splits as, as the other guy? Because people always look at one guy, and it's like you're going to have a sixth inning, but then there's an eighth inning, right? So whichever one you go to first, you're going to run into this again. How are you handling Alvarez knowing that lefty on lefty just not a thing really for him? Well, well I mean, he's never struck. To be honest, uh, series against New York, they did a good job elevating the fastball. 
but you got to get up there. He's going to do some damage. And then little by little, you know, you got the base set, pull side uh, for his just it's such a tough matchup. The thing with Alvarez, he's so it's not comfortable for any hitter. Uh, you know, Robbie Ray is a strike. He got ahead and then he threw a strike. That's why he does. And he put a great, great scene on him. Alvarado. He's a good matchup for him because he's effectively wild. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't see any reason why the Phillies won't go there but some righty has to do the job too and, yeah uh, robertson right maybe uh, robert because of the reverse splits they have to they have to i think you know obviously moving the ball right go inside with the cutter that's always important but you know that's a guy that uh you don't want them to, you don't want them to beat you but at the end of the day he's there uh, has put him in this situation because if he doesn't hit a home run in that first game, I, I think that was the biggest game of the whole playoffs for the Astros, you know. And uh, he hit the ball out of the ballpark. Next day, he does the same thing, and they took off. So you got to be very, very careful with him, obviously. I want to, if I can, and I, I never do this to you, so I'm just, let me sneak one more in here. I promise I'll get you out. But I, I just thought of it because yesterday it, it, there was this you know, report about, you know, and who knows? I don't. I don't know where these reports come from, nor do you. And we're both in the media. I still am. You've been in it too, right? You never know. It comes from somewhere. But, you know, you these players who perhaps in the Yankees were upset they got booed. And, you know, I just wanted to ask you this from a guy who manages in Boston, which, you know, look, I mean, New York, Boston, Philly, it's a different animal. These fans care in a different way, including in the hat that you're wearing right now, the Celtics, which to, to me, I mean, you know, Yankees, Celtics, you know, Dallas Cowboys is a different feel. You played in New York because you're a Met legend, of course. Um, so I, 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 what, what is it that's got to be different for the guys who play for you, who you've seen succeed? You have to name names that you have seen embrace those moments. And the guys who you've seen have to struggle and kind of learn how to deal with that because it's a different animal. What's the separator? What are you looking for in a player who can play in those cities and thrive? Well, and the obvious one is, uh, well, we got two. We got Christian with the Astros, and we got, and, uh, uh, you know, Christian obviously grew up in the organization. He understands. He's playing in a city that for, for whatever we, for what we did in 17, you know, if they're doing it right or not, you know, what's going on, what happened in 17. That's part of the business, and he, he knows how to block it. And whenever he plays, he's going to do his job. Um, you know, he grew up in an organization that, you know, they there was a curse, right? right? I mean, there's, no, I, I mean, okay. yeah. that he, he grew, <laughs> grew up with that in that organization. Um, he comes to us, and the easiest way to explain it, and I, I talked to somebody yesterday, uh, Rob, Rob Raffer, podcast too, and uh, uh, he asked me, I say, bro, who misses a ground Fenway Park in the playoffs? And then he makes the same, and he tips his hat to the crowd like he doesn't care. There's only one being one guy, and uh, that's why he is who he is. That's why he, he's the leader of, of this team that happens in that city. 
in that stadium with the media, with everything that goes on, and then, and just watching, he, he's the leader of the group, you know, in the clubhouse. Obviously, the leader is hard for him, but uh, it just kind of like the way the way we said, you got to cancel the noise, and and in Boston it gets very loud you're winning or if you're losing yesterday for some reason i was thinking about the noise what you do i changed my mind i was like what do you do with the noise you know like if you do not listen but if you're gonna use the noise to your event bring everything and that's what some that's something the astros do they enjoy the chip on the shoulder you're talking about the chip on the shoulder right yeah the chip. Going yeah. the the watch thing last, last year, the, the uh, you know booing El Tube, all that stuff. They like all that stuff. You you heard Martin at the end. Martin all like we won we won the Astros. That wasn't Judge. That wasn't Rizzo. That wasn't mm -hmm. that was a bunch of fans asking for the Astros, but they heard it. But they used them, and Martin says like they wanted us. They got us. We swept them who who in the, the <laughs> yankees locker said we want the astros nobody well, but that's why uh you know in philly obviously it gets to certain players you know you saw what happened early in the season you know oh you know, sure he hated, he hated the city right and now in a beer he's like i love this place but so now, <laughs> now obviously he's using and uh you know, we got two great teams. You know, people can say that uh, the Phillies are on a bunch, a handful of games. But you know what? The tournament rules is that, that there were six of it, and they're in the right. They beat the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they beat. So they're on the verge of winning the World Series, and uh, it should be a fun one. Best of the family. Uh, appreciate you, my friend. Stay well. Enjoy this offseason, and uh, we'll see you down at the winter meetings here. It'll turn around shortly, so enjoy the time between now and yeah, then. Man. Appreciate got, you. Man, I got to go to San Diego. That's fine. Oh, terrible. How <laughs> terrible. Hey, I appreciate you, and I'm glad you're doing well. Talk to you. I appreciate you, Be well. Be well. Much love. Be well. There he is, Alex Cora, one of the great people. Forget about in the game, but uh, anywhere, and appreciate him. Um, I've known Alex a long time. The first uh, interaction that I had with him, we covering the uh, Caribbean World Series for MLB.com like a million years ago, and then covering him in Boston and New York. And and look, you know, he's right because I said this yesterday when you deal with, with players in big cities, and it's because we we're talking about this report yesterday with the Yankees. And when you talk about guys who do it, like when he mentioned yesterday, earlier in this from last year with Kyle Schwarber where he's embracing that scenario in Boston, not to get on somebody I mentioned when talking about this yesterday with Gibby, but even though it's not a New York player, Carl Crawford, probably one of the biggest examples of anybody I've covered of a guy who just, it just didn't work when he went into that city, same division, facing same pitchers, facing the same Yankee teams. There was a specific game. I remember and it was a big game. I think late in the season against the Yankees, where it was maybe Sunday night baseball and John Lester's on the mound and he dropped a pop fly in the outfield and three runs scored. It was like the example of like, forget about the money. It, was, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about like he just got paid. But it was, you know, when you're playing in, in Tampa at the Trop, right, where you can hear the cowbell for a reason. I mean, you can hear people screaming at you across the way. I don't know how they play there. 
be honest, it's a decrepit place to cover a game. Sorry. But to go, I don't want to hear about the traffic getting there. It's because no one wants to go there, right? Like, I'll drive seven hours right now to go see uh, Springsteen. I, I don't know if I would drive 70 minutes to go to the Trop. I get it. But it's not about, you know, the traffic. But when he went to Boston, it was like he forgot how to play, which clearly is not the case. But it's difficult. You know, I always, I dumb it down this way. And I mean, for all of us, not, you know, anybody who's non-player. I don't care what you do for a living. And this is not against any job. Like, I'm trying to think of like the first, you know, trying to think of like monotonous, like, you know, the TPS reports, like in office space. If you're sitting there and you're at a bank, right? You're listening or watching right now, Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts, of course, Unfiltered Revolution. And you work at a bank. And you get in there and, and you've been a teller for 15 years and you understand how to do everything you got to do when somebody coming in there to have a transaction. If I gave you that same transaction right now, five minutes from now, and you got 50,000 people who are booing you and millions who are on Twitter or watching at home who you know are doing the same, before you even try to do it, or the first misstep or the wrong number you press and got to hit delete, or the first time you got to overring a register or whatever, good luck with that. I don't care what you're doing. Now imagine trying to hit a baseball doing that. Now I get they get paid, and I understand that. But I'm always a player defender on this. It's not easy. That's a real thing. Like the guys who can't do it in some of these big places, and then they're more comfortable. And it's why you got to give just a world of credit to the guys like the likes of Edwin Diaz, like the likes of you know Carlos Beltran, among no you know many others who have done a terrific job after rough first years in big cities and then come through. I mean, Tino Martinez filling in for, you know, you're coming in after Dom Mattingly, but against him in that series. And Seattle, people don't remember, you know, he wasn't right away that he was the dude hitting 44 home runs in a regular season and having the big postseasons. It's not easy. Great stuff from Alex Cora. Appreciate him uh, being with us. And yeah, I love what he said about Dave Dabrowski. And, you know, I, I don't think we can ever give enough credit to what guys like Alex Anthopoulos have done down here in Atlanta, where I am with a team like the Braves over the last number of years. But Dave Dabrowski has done to now do it and go ask the GMs. Ask another GM what it's like to do it in multiple organizations. Go tell me who you're going to ask. There aren't many guys to ask. Theo Epstein, Dave Dabrowski, keep going. Who's next? There aren't many guys to ask because it is really, really freaking difficult. And for Dabrowski to walk in and do this in Miami and do it in Boston and now do it in Philadelphia, there's no accident, people. I mean, and I understand, you know, a lot of this team was put together beforehand, but to put the finishing touches, to find the right pieces, to look, to make a change, Joe Girardi is a hell of a manager. I understand it didn't work out, and I get that. And I know Philly fans probably think it's, it's somehow his fault. But I said this with Jason Stark, who joined us a couple of days ago. That's a fit thing, people. It's like anything else. Now, how many times you've been an employee? I don't care what you do for a living. And you're like, yeah, my boss not treating us the right way. He doesn't understand that we need to go back to what I said yesterday, what Leo Mazzoni told me in here like 20 years ago. You know, coaching is about knowing where to blow smoke and where to light fire. That's parenting and coaching and any kind of leadership. Sometimes it's just a change. And the one to Rob Thompson has certainly worked out perfectly. So thanks to Alex Cora for hopping on board as we continue in October unfiltered again. We're live here at noon Eastern every day, YouTube, across uh, social media, my Twitter as well. And you can get us Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast, where you can also get part of the Believe Network, Believe in Queens. And uh, as uh, everybody knows who's watching this, I'm a Met guy. So it is a pleasure to welcome in Anthony Record to the show. Join us here in October unfiltered. Rec, what's going on, man? Appreciate you. How are you? 
I'm doing well, Case. How are you? Good to be I'm on. Doing, Thank you for I'm having me. I'm doing good, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on board. I, I want to want to start with, with what I was just talking about and take the player perspective for me. How important is fit as a manager? We know Joe Girardi is a great skipper. We understand that he knows the game. But, man, it looks like Rob Thompson just kind of fits like a glove. Talk to me yeah. about from a player perspective and explain to us kind of what, what that means. What's the fit of a manager with a team and how important that is? Yeah, I, look, from a player's perspective, it's it's kind of easy. Uh, you want someone who cares, who like really cares about you, your career, what you've got going on. Um, baseball is one of those, I think it's probably the only sport that realistically, despite it's a, it's a team sport, there's nine guys out there, there's you know 25 guys, 26 guys in a, on a roster in the clubhouse. It's as individual a sport as there is as a collective team sport because of those natural one-on-one -on -one batter pitcher matchups that you just see throughout the game. And, and that's just the nature of the beast. So in some respects, and, and of course the way that sports has gone, it's become such a huge business and it's, it's such an opportunity for so many guys. There's an individual aspect of that as well. Um, without forgetting about that team aspect, there is that, I want to feel important. I want to feel heard. I want to feel like I, I matter. I want to feel like I'm a part of something, not I'm being used for something. Because realistically, the relationship you have with the front office is probably going to be very different unless you're one of those you know, $300 million guys. Unless you're one of those guys, it's going to be very different uh, if you're kind of the, the minimum guy or a guy who just is mm -hmm. just trying to hold on to your career or, or, or keep yourself going there you want to have like some feeling of security because you're not going to get it from a contract you're not going to get it from other things so you want to feel like somebody has your back and that's where a manager and your coaching staff really need to be able to step in and have those relationships um that ability to relate to you to put you in situations to help you succeed because realistically that's what's going to keep you around longer so when you have someone that you trust that you that you know cares about you and that you can eventually you know care about it just builds a totally different environment within that clubhouse where you can have 26 guys who are individuals and do things individually but can come together as a collective and work towards something because when i'm playing for five hundred thousand dollars and the guy next to me is playing for 30 million dollars that creates a gap right in itself and it, i mean you know, I understand that the average fan can look at those numbers and say, who cares? You're both making a ton of money and you're right. But realistically, there's a huge gap there and it's hard to feel like you ha have a piece of this team, like you're a part of this team when you're that guy making significant amount less or maybe not playing every day. So that's where the manager steps in. So having someone that you trust that you feel is is out there, you know, leading you in the right direction is hugely important. I can remember my first days with Oakland and Bob Melvin. And, you know, I, that was right when he, he, had, he had gotten the job midway through 2011. I came up at the end of 2011. Um, so he had really just signed on there. Uh, and there was a game, it was actually in the beginning of 12, 2012, where he inserted me into the lineup about six or seven innings in. We were in Baltimore. We were getting our butts kicked. Kurt Suzuki catches every single night. Um, you know, look, did I want to go in and play? Absolutely. It's the big leagues. I pretty much just got called up. I don't care. Put me in. Um, Bob called me in the office after the game. He said, Hey, Anthony, um, I just want to let you know, like, I'm sorry I had to put you in there, but you know, Kurt wants to play every day and, you know, I wanted to get him back out there the next day. I was like, Bob, you're apologizing to me. 
yeah, for right. putting me in a right. big league game. Like, right. I'm okay, Bob. Like, it's but those are the, the but they care. Like they that, care, right? That alone, yeah. That alone made me feel like okay, like this guy, this guy cares. Like he he understands. I mean, he was a backup catcher in his career. He he gets it. So even though I didn't need that in that moment, it still makes you feel like you're a part of something. Like you you matter. You belong. And and those are the little things that can help. Like I said, bring together 26 guys to help you know work cohesively towards the ultimate goal which is winning a championship because despite those individual goals and your individual you know selfish desires throughout the game there is a huge draw towards being a part of a team and winning something together and that's realistically why you do it so it all works together and having a manager who understands it and can work within those relationships those mm -hmm. different you know kind of pockets within the clubhouse it's it's huge because it's all about belief at the end of the day. And it's why, look, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like the Christian Colones who at 1AB in a World Series gets a game-winning hit. You know, Blummer, Jeff Blum, who joined me yesterday, it's a 14th inning, you know, homer where he was just sent out there to bunt in game three of a World Series. And then all of a sudden after a double play, he's going up there and he goes and hits a home run that basically you know, took a stranglehold of a series. I want to get into a number of things, but one that I, I was looking forward to hitting with you, which – and. Yeah, you know, we have conversations in our lives, whether you cover the game or you're in it, that just you know, change. I worked for years with Kevin Kennedy many years ago, and we learning about pitch sequencing and the importance of it. And I have covered now baseball in these postseason 20 years. It's probably the least talked about thing that is the most important that people don't pay attention to or understand when you get into a postseason. And we see it in so many at-bats what kind of things you're looking for as a catcher and pitcher of whether or not, Hey, if a guy can't catch up, don't slow the bat to all those sorts of things. What kind of things are going on behind the scenes to give fans an idea now, wreck between the pitchers and the hitters when they had five days to prepare in terms of learning about the opposition, what kind of things are going on for Maldonado and for real Moto on that side? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things to be honest with you. Um, but realistically, you're in, in today's game, you're given so much information before you step out there on the field. So you have to be able to take that in, digest it and understand it. Because when you get out there, there's going to be times where you're going to want to use it. There's going to be times where it's, yeah, this is what I was told in this meeting. This is what I had on my iPad for, you know, the scouting report on, on such and such pitcher, mm -hmm. or such and such a hitter as a catcher. I had to know both. So I was always just going back and forth from between being a, a hitter and being a, you know, a part of the run prevention team, if you will, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, right. So it, it's an interesting contrast, but you have to know that stuff so that when things happen in the game, you can make the adjustments accordingly because there are going to be things as a catcher you know there were a lot of different keys i was looking for whether it's you know just as simple as where is he in is he getting his foot down on time is the where's the barrel coming through the zone you know what's he looking for do is are there any keys i can pick up on so a guy body like, language too right 100 100 i would notice their feet if they shuffled their feet if they moved their feet at all what they were thinking you know that that told me what they were thinking throughout the course of an at bat um you know if they're spitting on a really good slider that maybe catches the edge or is a little bit off and they don't even flinch. I know, okay, this dude's just straight sitting heater. Like, I mean, he saw spin, he recognized it and he shut it down immediately. Okay. I can go back to this and I can probably just boom, flip one in there for a free strike because he's sitting heater, little things like that. So like a guy like Justin Turner, he would come up and he would have a, a plan and 
sometimes specific to a pitch. I'm going to look for this pitch. I'm going to look for this, you know, out over the plate in this at bat, whatever it is. And you just try to pick up on those little keys so that you can exploit it. Now, you don't want to jump the gun. You have to understand your hitters. And that's where knowing this stuff ahead of time comes into play in what ha is happening live in front of you. And you kind of blend the two together. It's no exact science. I mean, that's why you see you're watching games. You're like, why do you call that pitch? And, oh, right. Exactly. You know, right. You make, you make mistakes. You read it wrong. Things happen, you know, quickly. And happening so there. fast too, wreck, right? I 100%. mean, in moments like that. I can remember a time we were in Miami. I was with Atlanta at the time. And uh, this was like 2016. And I think it was uh, Derek Dietrich was up at the plate. And I knew he sat heater in, sat heater in, sat heater in. Well, he fouled the pitch off to over the third baseline. He's a lefty. He fouled, fouls the pitch off over the third baseline. And to me, I saw it, I saw him late. Like I, maybe it was just because the ball went. And then came in, up and in with a heater. Boom, hits a homer. And I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to go in there. What did I do? I go back and watch the tape later. He was actually early. He was actually out in front of the off-speed pitch earlier uh, in the A-B fouled it off that way. And I was like, Oh no, I, you know, like I just saw it wrong and that stuff happens. That's just a part of the game. Um, it's just, that's where you want to have your kind of your checks and balances where you have a pitcher out on the mound who's paying attention to those things, who's cerebral, who thinks about them and yeah. the guy behind the plate. And then that way you can make sure you're seeing the same thing. That's when you'll see kind of those quick mound visits where a guy will go out, Hey, this is what I got. You know, uh, this is what I'm seeing. And you can have that quick discussion, honestly, and then go back and, you know, Go whichever way, um, realistically, the conversation took you. Pitchers and catchers pay. People need to understand so much attention to everything. I mean, I worked for years with Pedro, and there were many times he's like Will Hunting. He just blew my mind. But one thing he told me years ago that I had been covering the game 15 years, Rick, but by the time he said this, and I was like, yeah, I mean, you're BSing me. There's no way. He was telling me he would. He was so crazy. He would watch guys in the on-deck circle. And like how you're doing this, imagine how good you got to be to, while you're doing, I mean, you're kind of pitching. And then you're, he'd watch their practice swings because he's thinking wherever they're swinging, that's where they want the ball, whatever level. And he painted it because you guys have to be in sync with every single thing that goes on. But to your point, analysis sometimes can be paralysis, right? So you got to be in the moment. Let me ask you about Altuve specifically. We know how great he is. We also know, and Alex Cora was just on, knows him as well as anybody, saying, which we've seen, he looks in between at the plate last couple of weeks. Are you going back of the baseball card with the analytics? Are you going in, in that meeting, if you're sitting there, you're JT Real Muto and you're Aaron Nola with what you see in the week? How do you determine which way to go? Because the book on Altuve is one thing, but him flailing away a little bit at pitches in the dirt, which we don't normally see, Rec, is what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, this is where it's it's fun uh, because realistically, you're going to have your front office and the data analytics staff saying one thing. You're going to have you know your coaching staff kind of saying another thing, and then you're going to have us as players, what we see and what we're reacting to. So the idea realistically is to get everybody together as, as often as you can. The players, not as much. It's usually going to be the coaching staff and the analytics staff getting together and making these these kinds of decisions. What is our sample analysis and what are we going to go after here? And, you know, I, I did it. I actually interviewed um, last offseason with the Mets just for one of their coaching roles. And it was fun going through the process because realistically, I learned a lot about how they're thinking about these exact things. And so, you know, they have something called like, a you know, the, the recency bias. So mm -hmm. something that is happening right now that we're not sure how much weight we want to give that. 
And then of course you have the true sample size, which traditionally is like a two to three year, depending on the organization. Some people will go five years, but it also depends on the players you're talking about and what that looks like. And it's a matter of blending them. So for me right now, if I'm looking at what's going on with Altuve, I know that this is not the Altuve that you would see on the back of a baseball card that we would traditionally approach. So I have to use a little bit of that recency bias. There's something going on. And I want I want to be able to tap into that. I want to be able to use that to my advantage and, and take advantage of that. So there is some level of that. But then you also have to consider the fact that how long has it been since he's played a game? Five days? Oh, yeah, sure. That's right. So so now you, you start thinking, okay, he could be a totally different hitter in these five days, after these five days are up. And that's part of baseball. That's why we play every day. That's why we play 162, mm -hmm. to keep some consistency. 18 total days off, right? Think about it this way, oh. Rec. 18 total days off, they just got five. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And big, and now, big, he, big now he could be a completely different hitter coming out of this. And so for me, that screams, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach this first at-bat like it's Altuve of the last five years. Then I'll see kind of what I get. Maybe I'll have a plan. Maybe I'll even have like a script of pitches I want to throw at him. I'm going to come here with the slider. I'm going to go here with the fastball. And then I'm going to come back with this just to see how he adjusts, to see what kind of things he does at the plate. That might tell me where he's at. Has he made any adjustments? Is he a different hitter? And then I can go from there and, and realistically go at bat to at bat for that game now go into game two with a full slate of at-bats from the previous game and say, okay, this is what we saw. Which Altuve was it? Where do we see him? Then we build maybe more of a, a long-term strategy for the rest of the series. I want to hit two more with you, and I appreciate this because it's great stuff. I, look, I, this is this is really, you know, if you're a, a diehard baseball fan, you're watching this, you know, this is the kind of stuff you're digging into in this series. If you're not a fan of either team, if you're a fan of one of the teams, you're probably not breathing the whole time and then it's different, but we get to kind of enjoy these things. Cause you know, the team that we pay attention to is not here, but that's another story. Um, you had to be in a lot of meetings and a lot of series prep. And then, you know, behind the plate of how to get Bryce Harper out, right? How, what's the way to get Bryce Harper out? I, I want to kind of get, ask you two part one, what's impressed you most about, how his career has progressed and, and the Harper he is now. And then the other side is how you get in Bryce Harper out. What's the plan? At least if it goes well in this series, you can't walk him have to face him. What's the approach? So first the, the way he's impressed me is, is purely kind of that off the field or even on the field leadership, the kind of mature, adult the the man he's become and and in so the player he's become because of it um early in his career you saw huge peaks and valleys and that's a matter of this kid came up so young he came up with incredible expectations lebron and he came hype. Up with a chip on his lebron shoulder. hype wreck lebron 100 hype. the lebron hype of baseball that's exactly what he was um out of high school you know he's on the cover of sports illustrated hitting the 400 and you know 80 foot i don't remember 500 foot home runs Love whatever it was Exactly. Exactly. Then you see him in the minor leagues on ESPN, getting in fights and and pimping home runs and walking, and and you you build in your mind, especially for me as a, as a fellow player, you build kind of this. Okay, this is who this guy is. This is who this guy is. Then you play against him in those young days, and you see some of that stuff. Um, I can remember being in Washington. I, I want to say it was 2014, and. He was having a really, really bad early part of the year. I want to say Matt Williams was their manager at the time, and he got in trouble for kind of dogging a, a you know a ground ball to run into first base, dogged it out. 
the next day he, you know, he gets benched for the rest of that game, or maybe it was the next day. And then he comes back out the next day and he's playing against us. He hits a ball on the gap and he is just, I mean, he takes off, you know, he's trying to over hustle and he literally runs through basically, I mean, I'll call it a stop sign from the third base coach from second to third, even though it's not really a stop sign. That's totally up to you as a player, but he decides I'm going to third and he's booking it. And about halfway there, I mean, he is out dead to rights. The ball's already in. He's done. He's just trying to prove he hustles and he, he goes overboard. So I get it. Like the mentality was there, but it was kind of that false hustle. Like, okay, no, you got caught before. Now you're false hustling. Like, no, figure it out. And he's become now a guy who does and says the right things all the time. Um, even though there's tremendous pressure on him and he's still in a, I consider Philly a big market. Oh, yeah. You see him playing with this looseness and this that I didn't see at all in DC. I never saw this in DC, even in his later days when he was an MVP, just never saw him feeling and, and looking how as comfortable as he does with this Philly team. So he's just become the type of guy that I, I can tell leads the team by not just voice and, but by example. And to me, that's the best form of leadership, especially when your stars do it. So just the person he's become, the players become, I, I love it. I'm all in for it. I'm rooting for him as hard as I'm rooting for anybody else in baseball right now, because that's the kind of guy I see when I see him out there. Um, you know, the other, what, what was the, I'm How sorry, what was the second out? question? How are you going to get him out? Okay. What's this, the approach? This is fun. What's the approach? Yeah. So this is, this is interesting because it's changed over the years. Um, I can remember, you know, facing him kind of in those prime years when he was in DC. And a lot of the time it was, look, if you throw him a sinker, um, a changeup moving away, something kind of moving down and away from from a righty, from a righty. You're you're asking for it because his barrel kind of had that. He had that extra little dip. He had you know a little bit more movement to his um, to his swing, and it was you're, you're looking at the danger zone. He's really quieted that down a little bit and become a guy who, yes, if you throw that sinker, you know, try to go away and you leave it elevated at all. We've seen it this postseason. He's sure. going the other way a yep. ton, and he's there. made you pay for it. Yep. But now if you just try to elevate, 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 you can get there, but he can also make the adjustment now. It might take him a pitch or two, but he can make the adjustment and get to that thing quickly. Before, when I was facing him, it was get above that barrel, go above that barrel, beat him. When I, I, I mean, I remember Matt Harvey and him going at it several times, and I don't, I, I don't remember the exact number of ABs. I want to say it was like 18 in a row to start their, that matchup. I mean, Harvey owned him. He was 0 for 18 with a ton of strikeouts. And all he did was pump him four-seam heaters up, pump him four-seam heaters up. And that was how you got Bryce Harper out. It's changed. Um, you can't go to the same thing too many times. You can't, you know, that, that well dries up real quick. So you have to adjust. I consider him more of a Freddie Freeman type now mm -hmm. where it's, okay, I have to be in and around the zone because he's not going to just – wildly flail right. at everything that's right um you can get him to chase a little bit more than a guy like freeman but realistically it's so there's three ways to attack a hitter right up and down I love side him. to side back and forth that's that's your three ways and so with a guy like him same as freddie it's mixing them up it's going up and in hard to down and away soft to down and in strike to ball to back door ball to strike to just the different variables you can throw at him, the more you can throw at him, the better. So if you get a guy out there on the mound, uh, you know, I don't know what his numbers are against, say, a Spencer Strider. Obviously, that guy's phenomenal, and he's going to have good numbers against most guys. But he's got basically, realistically, two pitches. He's coming at you with a four-seam fastball, and then he's going to – he's got a slider. If he backdoors it, it's on accident, and then he's trying to backfoot it. So to me, a guy like that against a guy like Bryce, eventually Bryce is going to start getting you because he's going to have seen it 
and he's going to make adjustments and he's got the tools to do it. You need that plethora of, which and that's Verlander nice has. about a guy which like Verlander Nola, has. A, yeah. Verlander has. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm talking about Philly pitchers. No, but the, yeah, yeah, realistically, that, that yeah. entire Astros staff is yes. full of guys yes. who have a multitude of pitches. They could they can spin the to. ball as we know. A hundred percent. And so it becomes a chess match and it's, do you make your adjustment too early? Do you go to that curveball, uh, you know, twice, or do you, yep. you know, kind of do what I'm talking about and just, just keep mixing it up. I would expect when you're watching these games, you're not going to see too many double ups. If you see a double up, it's okay. We got one in there for a strike. We're going to expand now. That's right. See if we can get him to, Try chase, get him to go higher, get a swing, right? Got to get high enough. And then trouble. And then make the adjustment back away from there. Because once he's seen it a couple times, unless we're getting him to chase that, we need to make an adjustment because if we make a mistake with it, we're done. He's going to take us. He's going to take us yard. So it's that that cat and cat and mouse game. And with a guy like that, it's fun. There's a lot of guys on the, in that Philly lineup. Schwarber is yes. one of them. I mean, yeah, correct. you can't go to that fastball too many no. times with him. No. He's going to get you. Uh, yeah. Hoskins is swinging a hot bat. Real Muto swinging a hot bat. But again, that five days is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I want to sneak one more in if I can, because this is just tremendous stuff. This The matchup to me that's the most interesting of all of them to watch in this whole series. How do you handle, and I just talked to Alex Cora about it, how do you handle Alvarez, who's not your lefty against the lefty? The guy, I mean, again, I went back to it twice already in this show, but people do not, I don't care if Robbie Ray is a starter or a reliever. That guy won a Cy Young. People don't yeah. realize how crazy it is that he just walked it. Robbie Ray having faced the ball game and just like it was nothing and won that. I mean, that was crazy, right? How are you pitching to Alvarez if you're Rob Thompson? Are you Alvarado in the most important spot, even though he can be, you know, Alex said maybe his effectively wild maybe is helping him in, in this kind of matchup perhaps. And then in the other time, sixth, eighth inning, let's see, if you, Dominguez isn't in there, do you see David Robertson maybe with his reverse splits as a guy who they may use to try and get Alvarez out? What are you doing to try and get a guy out who's a lefty but can hit lefties better at seemingly wrecked than he hits right-handers? Well, he's a guy who lets the ball travel. And so realistically, not only that, but he's he's also an intelligent hitter. He's not the type of guy, again, he's, he's similar to Bryce in that effect where he's not the type of guy you can just keep attacking him the same way. So I think for Philly, having, you know, maybe a couple of guys that you want to go to in those situations, whether it's, and, and I think David Robertson is a great example here because of that cutter. That's, that's an equalizer. Just knowing as from a Philly perspective that that's in the back of Alvarez's mind because he's going to go up there and he's an intelligent guy. He's going to look for that. That's going to be part of his game plan. I would almost use that against him. Not that I'm going to go away from the cutter, but I'm going to expand from it from pitch one and see if I can get him to chase. Then I know I can go to something else because David Robertson, I can trust him. He's got a, a, several other pitches he can go to, whether it's the curveball or others, that he can try to get a, a swing you know, out of the zone, whatever it may be. And of course, if you go to Alvarado, that is purely stuff on stuff. See what happens. See who beats who. Um, and I, of course, a little bit of that effectively wild certainly helps. Um, but I, I just I like throwing a, a different pieces at him. If I go to Alvarado three times in the series against Alvarez, I'm expecting by that third at bat. He he, no, can, me too. he That's might get why they, they need Robertson, Rick, I think, to be yep. able to do it. Right. And plus, it's so different. The two pitchers. And think about Sir Anthony Dominguez with that changeup too. The same thing. Same I mean, thing. Th there's different ways. And that's what's fun about the way Philly's put together this bullpen. Yes. Is that. They have different ways to beat you. They're not going to throw three guys out there that throw 100 with a slider. 
from the right side, right? Like they come from different angles. They have different pitches. They have different ways to attack you. And I mean, it goes almost a couple of years ago. You remember the Rays when they were in the playoffs and they had that little, mm-hmm. um, what was it called? The graphic where they had all the arms and where they were coming from. That's kind of what you can see coming from this Philly team. Uh, by the way, I just want to let you know that I, because especially during, I, I have an eight, a seven, and a five-year-old. And now. you're my, yeah, can I, you hear my I, little I, guy? Right I have now? eight, seven, and five. I have done hundreds of radio shows. And then when we did COVID and we're doing even TV in my house, where like yep. I, kids on laps and all, I have lived, I have lived that world. Enjoy the hell out of every moment of it, man. Enjoy you, it. You gotta. There's nothing else. You embrace it, right? Enjoy it, man. Thank you so much for doing this record. It was fantastic. Appreciate you, bro. Absolutely. Thank you. Good to be on. Thanks, Thanks for having me, Case. Appreciate you. Anthony Record joining us here as we continue on October Unfiltered. Lots to cover in this World Series and the matchups. You know, to me, it's like if you're a baseball lifer like I am and many of the people watching are, this is stuff that gets you jacked up because, you know, and I, I mean this. And I said it, you know, jokingly in the interview, but it's true. If you're not a fan of the Phillies or the Astros, if you're a fan of one of these two teams, the only thing you're thinking about is trying to breathe, right? If you're a fan in that spot, there's no enjoyment. It, it's just pain. At, like, what level? I mean, especially if you're crazy like I am with sports. I mean, you just can't, you know, really enjoying those moments. But if you're not rooting for the Astros or the Phillies, you get to really kind of soak up and get into these matchups and and think about how are they going to attack an Alvarez and watch how much they try and avoid to his – and I think he's right. Not only, you know, it's really the pitches in an AB, but pitchers in a series and giving different looks and different feels because – you're trying to get guys uncomfortable. Everything is about getting that pitcher, that hitter uncomfortable. It's why you step out and take time. It's why you kind of cross up a different at-bats. If you usually swing at the first pitch all the time, clearly you could see a breaking ball out of the zone. Maybe you want to take, right? If you always take, maybe you kind of shoot and try and ambush. If you're going to get a fastball, you got to be paying attention to all that. That's the stuff that all the baseball fans like you and I love, and you'll get it here on Unfiltered, October Unfiltered, every day throughout the series tomorrow. Ned Yost, another manager, knows a thing or two about uh, World Series and winning one. He would have had two victories with the Royals, if not for Madison Bumgarner back in 2014. He'll join me, Steve Phillips, who has put together and been the architect of a World Series club. He will join me on this show. We've got lots of guests still to come. You can always get on the Unfiltered Revolution and get your merch. Find out all that information at Casey Stern on Twitter. Join us, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts all the time, anytime. My thanks to Alex Cora, to Anthony Recker, and to you, and of course, to our good friends at Bet Online, because as always, October Unfiltered and Unfiltered are both presented by our good friends at Bet Online. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.